welcome in. Can't really see Michael, but we're both in here, I believe. Trust. And if you guys are in, let us know in the chat below. But this is Five Stripe Weekly Live. But yeah, welcome to another episode of it, and uh, yeah, remember to uh, like, share, and comment, and subscribe if you're new around here, but yes, let's uh, go ahead and shout out to our Patreon members and pledges, and uh, they, a couple of them, will join us later in the stream for the playoff preview, which we, we will of course be playing the Columbus Crew. But Gavin Marshall, Andrew Wawicki, Jordan Beck, Nal Faruqi, Ariel Acosta, and Chris James. You guys are legends. Thank you so much. And yeah, before all that, let's get into the match preview. Uh, or the match review, actually. Uh, so, of course, we play the Columbus Crew. And... Uh, not Columbus Crew, sorry. FC Cincy. We're doing this live, guys. We're both Ohio teams, close enough. They're both Ohio teams. We both played uh, Ohio teams, uh, essentially. Or played uh, two Ohio teams recently. But anyway, yes. So, uh, FC Cincy, we drew them 2-2 on decision day. And, yeah, we'll just rifle through this uh, this review because, yeah, it's uh, been a little bit of time. And it, it was a little, little upsetting in some, some degrees. But, we uh, yeah, we were able to also... Uh, you know, draw the uh, Supporter Shield winners at home. So, you know, I think ultimately, kind of, besides the Almada thing, it ended okay. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, Yakumakis, he had a brace, of course. But, yes, the aforementioned Tiago Almada, he got two yellows with some silly, silly, just, uh, we don't even know what he's thinking. But, uh, yeah, there is a little bit of watching the replays. The player making a meal of it. But uh, what were your thoughts on the two yellows from Tiago Almada, Michael? The uh, first one didn't rise to the level of yellow in any shape or form. I was amazed that, that that was given. It was a foul, sure, but a yellow? I mean, that early in the game, it's not like Almada was beating the guy up for 60 minutes and then they gave him a yellow like for persistent infractions no it was just this weird random yellow out of nowhere that perhaps he tried to use almada as a way to set the temperature of the game to keep things cool but it did anything but pretty much just got everyone really ticked off because it was a bad call um there's some conspiracy theories going around about dickerson and almada having a bit of a blood feud of some sort <laughs> um there was some stuff where you know, he got into it with, a, in, with this ref in a previous game, um, which I believe he also saw a red, um, which is just... And if you look at the statistics, Dickerson reds Atlanta United way more than any other ref, which is also a little weird. Seemed a little bit like some of this stuff was retributive of sorts. I mean, when it comes to the fine levied at Almada after the game, that was seemed a little off too, a little much as well. I mean, it is what it is, and at the end of the day, it's not the fine is not a big deal, but it just kind of snowballs with whatever else we've saw, and it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. 
indeed, especially if and the second is... one was deserved. The second yellow was deserved for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the uh, yeah, especially if this is Thiago Almada's last regular season match with LA United, uh, that's yeah, that's like Franco Escobar territory, and uh, it'd be kind of sad a little bit, you know. But uh, this of course means that he will miss the first match of the playoffs. So uh, yeah, that really I think not only ticks him off, but it ticks off all LA United fans. And especially, uh, yeah, if you're hoping for, you know, a good result in that first match, it just took a really big hit. And, yeah, but in this match anyway, let's uh, recap a little bit more. And, I mean, yeah, it was definitely kind of a playoff atmosphere a little bit. Uh, it was kind of, you know, very kind of going toe-to-toe with, uh, of course, the, uh, you know, the, the winners, uh, the league winners, essentially. And, I mean, yeah, I think we did really fairly well in terms of uh, kind of representing ourselves on the road. It's, it, it, our form on, on the road has been remarkably better, uh, especially since the summer transfer window. And I think, yeah, you know, you see some guys are still a little bit out of form, maybe a little bit out of sorts, but... Uh, Yorgos Yakomakis, uh, having scored in the uh, international window or international break with Greece, uh, yeah, like it's like we said, once he hits the back of the net, once just gets going, and uh, yeah, I mean he he and these uh, these two goals, yeah, well played. Uh, do you have a do you have a favorite of the two goals? Um. Yeah, the first one, I think, was just a beautiful team goal. Um, really well done. You know, good finish from Yorgos. The second one was... It was kind of, like, a little ugly with the tap-in from Yorgos. But, like, it's... You know, it is what it is. He was in the right place. And he was at the end of, you know, some decent offensive product that Atlanta and I put together. So, I don't hate it. But, yeah, I mean... And, like, it goes to a bigger narrative of the fact that Yorgos is scoring again. Like we said, was Greece the kindling he needed to get back on track. And it seems like we're there again. And if that's what's happening, teams should be scared. Absolutely. Even without Thiago Amada, uh, yeah, you know, Yakumaki he finds a way to to find the back of the net when he's uh, on form, when he's uh, scoring. And, you know, he just, he, he's a good poacher as well. And, uh, you know, he's got that ability just to be in the right place at the right time. And uh, I think a little worrying, though, is maybe that Shana Silva and Saba Labzanitze uh, maybe weren't... They, they aren't firing on all cylinders recently, but uh, obviously, you know, I think... Shande almost been... scored early in the game. He almost had that goalie beat. That was a brilliant save. Yeah. And and that's just what it is. Like, FC Sensei, it's, it's all credit to them. They just... They're such a tough customer. And, uh, you know, this season is just, I mean, Lucho Acosta is, is the MVP, probably. And, you know, he's he's that guy for a reason. Can't believe and, he scored uh, that. I How do you let the shortest guy in MLS score a header on you? I don't. Right. And <laughs> it, it just kind of exemplifies us at the back. We're, we're, we're leaky. And uh, Caleb Wiley, you know, he's, uh, he's still young. He's still figuring it out. Uh, but, uh, 
yeah, a little bit of ball watching. He lost his man a little bit, and Mucho Costa, uh, probably, you know, he was on his shoulder for a reason because he knew that he could exploit some space and uh, and kind of sneak in uh, into a good scoring position, and that he did. It's uh, man, it's just kind of uh, that bitter pill to swallow of, you know, you uh, it's the guy you don't want to score. <laughs> Like, he's he's the guy that always kills us. You you try to mark him. You try to just uh, make sure you can neutralize him, but he just finds a way. And yeah, it's just uh, ultimately we uh, you know we are um, just on the road. I mean, it, it's it's good enough. I think uh, in this sense, it's it's a good enough of a. Uh, you know, kind of, I guess, practice in a sense, like, uh, you know, practice to be a lot better than we have. <laughs> and so, especially since we will have to go back to Ohio, especially in the playoffs, uh, you know, kind of playoff atmosphere a little bit. This is a good little barometer test. Yeah. So it's, uh, it's something that, you know, I think ultimately does us some good. And as well, we got some rest for Brooks Lennon. Ronald, Ronald Hernandez, uh, yeah, he had a decent match. He did get beat for the uh, for one of the goals and, uh, you know, kind of nutmegged. But I think ultimately still he had a pretty good match. And, uh, you know, it, it gets a little bit of uh, some match fitness for some, some players that I think we'll probably need to rely on because... Yeah, you know these uh, these matches will come thick and fast a little bit too. Uh, yeah, we'll talk about the uh, you know the the days of the matches, which are weird. <laughs> there, uh, that's no doubt about it. Like they're gonna be uh, some strange days of the week, like a Tuesday. Like, when have we ever played on a Tuesday? Just, I can't remember. Yeah. But, but I, uh, I want to hit on one more thing before we move on to yeah. the playoff stuff. Um, yeah. So for the second goal, the one you referred to where Ronald Hernandez got kind of toasted by Baji and he crashed the yeah. net and then kind of just shoved it in, I thought well, – I reviewed that ball in and from – I think it was Acosta. And that ball right across the mouth of goal, like less than like – two or three feet from Brad Guzan and he just watched it skip right in front of him and go by him and I guess he wasn't watching over on the other side knowing he had Vasquez and Baji crashing the net beating their men so he didn't make a move and decided to just kind of stay in his ground I don't know you see that happening in front of you maybe stick your foot out and poke the ball away no I just let it right in front of him. and then so I got into it a bit the, a discord argument of some of our community members about it asking them why wouldn't a goalie do that and they're giving me justifications why a goalie wouldn't just stick their you know their foot out to try and poke it away in a dangerous situation like that and that's acceptable it makes sense um but when you know what happened i don't think it makes a lot of sense i think brad just is slow and didn't make the right decision there I mean, yeah, obviously it is a benefit of hindsight a little bit too, but yeah, we do have that aspect where 
Uh, yeah, I mean, like, the, the goalkeepers are, especially if they're not very aggressive, they will tend to stay on the line a little bit more. It was, like, two so, feet from him. It, yeah. That's what, that's what, Bob, I mean, he was going fast and it was low and hard, but still, like, I don't know. When you know you have two guys coming from the other side that are wide open, I don't know, maybe don't let it get there, but I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's a tough one, I mean... Uh, yeah, what do you guys absolved. think? Comment down and, and tell me why I'm wrong. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely, uh, yeah, let us know in the comments below. This is a live show, so we will read some of those comments uh, later on in the episode. But uh, let's, yes, of course, get to the news now. And, yes, uh, United, of course, made the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, we'll talk about the dates of that but first uh we'll talk about how Yorgos Yakumakis he made the MLS team of the match day bench uh yeah with the two goals uh arguably he got he got robbed a little bit he probably should have made the uh the starting 11 but it's what it is I guess uh maybe it was result driven as well so, it's the striker but, uh, from whoever made it would do just that much better knows i mean it's that as well it's like sometimes you know you have the uh the four line have other strikers as well so it's just i don't know you know it's a, it's a it's terrible bit... metric is what you're saying got it yep i agree yeah you know i feel like we're getting a, a little little short changed here a little shafted but uh and in terms of that i mean yogurt yakamaki he finishes with 17 goals on the season zero of them penalties and if you look at it from the mls golden boot conversation he led the league in non-penalty goals. So, you know, Buongo only had 16, uh, you know, non-penalty goals. So, yeah, you know, maybe we need to give uh, Yorgos Yakomakis some of that uh, that shout. And as well, you know, he, of course, missed a good number of matches, whether through injury or yellow card suspension. So, he arguably could have gotten more. I mean, it's just uh, he was on a torrid pace for a minute in the summer. And so, yeah, it's uh, it's a little bit, dang, you know, like it would have been good to, to get him uh, an MLS Golden Boot, but maybe, you know, hopefully he sticks around. There's a rumor from Fabrizio Romano saying that uh, he might get some interest uh, from kind of the uh, non-top five uh, European leagues and I don't know i mean that's uh that, that would be interesting i don't know if he uh he or ellen united would do that but what do you think what, what, what do you think about those rumors that, i mean it's uh, it's Yakumaki's? just it's just fabrizio speculating that you play this well um in a league and you have you know european experience at a you know a, a celtic that perhaps he could use this as a jumping off point to get to a, a higher level in european soccer it's i mean it's a possibility if someone decides to throw a lot of money at him i don't see why it would be ridiculous to let him go for that this is probably the last chance he's going to get to play at a higher level um perhaps as a soccer player that's your goal and if that comes knocking that's what you do um i have no idea where his like you know uh, joseph martinez said like you know um Atlanta United is his Barcelona like I don't know who his Barcelona is or like where he'd want to end up at his best but um if that came calling I don't see why 
we would say no if the price was right. It would be sad because it's felt like we're starting something big and successful here with him. Because, um, you know, fans are starting to believe. It's just, it would be upsetting to see him go and having to start fresh once again. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's a great point, and it's just one of those things where, uh, yeah, it's really where do his ambitions lie, and, uh, yes, he is getting paid pretty handsomely here, uh, but, yeah, it, it really, I guess, begs the question, how much would he get somewhere else? Uh, would he be starting? I mean, I guess it's just like, you know, does he want to win trophies somewhere uh, where... Um, you know, he might not have thought he uh, he could have, because I mean, yeah, when you play at Celtic, you know, it's a it's pretty much a two-team league there, and you know, he was able to play in the the Champions League as well. So I mean, he's got the taste of that already. So I really, I guess, it comes down to yeah, something that we probably don't even really have uh, information privy to, probably information that he and his family only have information to. So. Someone uh, needs to ask but, him next time at the press conference, what's his, like, if he were to get, like, what was his childhood dream team to play on? Just see what he says. Yeah, it would be really, really fascinating. Maybe it's a Greek team, so. Maybe. But, um, you know, who knows, who knows. But, anyway, uh, so, moving on from that, uh, in terms of league leaders as well, Tiago Almada, he was the league leader in assists with 19. Uh man yeah it's just like that's how big of a miss he will be in the playoffs that just outlines that just kind of sad but the uh the positives here the positives i mean you know is there a favorite assist from the season i'm putting you on the spot but a favorite assist oh man. i'll uh i'll help you out a little bit uh so I think uh, it was at uh, Yankee Stadium, and he was, uh, you know, taking a corner, and he was able to like, kind of take it short. I think played a one-two, and then uh, was able to lob it up for Yorgos Yakamakis. But it was just clever, really clever play, and he just put it on a plate for Yorgos Yakamakis to head it in. So I think that one was my favorite one. It's it's probably uh, hard. I mean, because like a lot of his assists have this come in the same flavor. They're all very like not all of them obviously, but a lot of them are very just nicely done. Like you said, put it on a dime, and then the person just really has a giant opening and you know an opportunity to do whatever they want with it. So, I mean, it's hard to pick one when they're you you look at a field of options that are all very good. So, I mean. Just kind of like his, his. Uh, it's what he's. It's just what he does. It's like how do you pick out, you know, um, like a good corner kick from Tiago Almada. It's like they're all pretty good. Occasionally he'll screw one up or two, but it's like they're all, you know. And, and it, 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 as a product of that, a lot of them kind of become non-memorable because it's like, why do I pay? Why do I remember a, a pass that's you know he does so often? But you know. Yeah, and that's fair. I mean, yeah. There's so many times where the players, all they had to do is just put a foot on it or a head on it. And uh, I think there was one where Brooks Lennon, he, he was, all he had to do was just, uh, yeah, take that volley. That was a pretty sweet one. Yeah, I remember well, that one, yeah. I forget which uh, that was. But, but yeah, uh, so yeah, definitely in terms of Tiago Almada, uh, 
as well. Of course, uh, previously alluded to uh, that the MLS disciplinary committee, they fined him an undisclosed amount for failing to leave the pitch in a timely manner in the 51st minutes. And uh, yeah, this also again exemplifies how long we played without Thiago <laughs> Almada. So I guess we have some experience now, uh, especially with Saba and Silva and, uh, you know, Yumba as well so like yeah it's gonna be something that we have to figure out I think we have some solutions we'll get to that in the playoff preview but uh, uh, yeah moving on from that uh, Inter-Miami they just declined Joseph Martinez's contract option and so uh, you know there is that kind of long rumored maybe transfer of Luis Suarez from Gremio to Inter-Miami, but uh, yeah, sadly, Jose Martinez's time at Inter-Miami has come to an end, and it's going to be very interesting where he goes, because obviously, you know, he, uh, I don't know, I don't think he's going to get a DP contract, I think that's uh, that's probably not in the cards anymore, uh, you know, he definitely didn't perform at that level, uh, it'll be interesting if he stays in MLS, or if he goes to a different league, Liga Mekis, Brasil, uh, maybe a Venezuelan league back to Europe probably unlikely that but uh, where do you think that Joseph Martinez ends up next season I have no idea <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I have honestly no idea that could go many different ways part of me kind of wishes he stays in MLS um, you know I remember some people in discord talking about possibly looking at teams that like he could fit with um that maybe need a striker would be willing to um pay him or at least like get him on something that makes sense for their books um like i was at uh, like vancouver or rsl or something even though uh, what's his name is there chicho arango i think is on vancouver um is that Van it's vancouver right uh chicho uh that's RSL, I believe. That's but, RSL? Uh, okay, yeah, so I got it backwards. So, yeah, the other yeah. one. Um, so, anyway, yeah, I mean, it's possible you could go out to, like, a West Coast team. Um, uh, but I I, I don't – his powers are waning. Um, I don't think he's going to be able to do what he – I mean, I think most teams are going to get what they what he, they got at Miami, and I, they're going to pay what they think that that's worth. So, we'll see. I mean, again, I just – selfish reasons. I hope he stays in MLS just so I can watch him some more. But – I just hope it goes well. I just and you know cross conference. I don't want to see him too often playing us. So right. yeah, there's that, and then I mean, I think also why it's relevant to us is that he's off our books now too because we were paying him. Yeah. At Inter Miami, so uh, yeah, you know it's uh, it's definitely gonna be interesting. We'll uh, kind of keep a little bit of the tabs because of course you know he is kind of uh, pretty much our best player in our history. So you know you kind of want to see him. Uh, at least do somewhat well for the rest of his career but uh, yeah so moving on from that LA United also announced that Sarah Kate Knopfsinger or Skate Knopfsinger as she's uh, lovingly known uh, as the Vice President and Chief Business Officer she returns after a couple years with Adidas and uh, yeah she will report to Garth Lagerway and it's a new created position and she'll be responsible for overseeing day-to-day -day business strategy for the club including marketing sales sponsorship and ticketing 
and uh, she'll begin she'll begin her tenure on November sixth. And uh, yeah, she of course previously was with us from 2015 to 2020, and uh, yeah, she uh, definitely brings some very gifts, very gifted talents rather, uh, in kind of helping us kind of establish us as what we were. And so uh, yeah, definitely, I think it's a it's a big big signing in the front office essentially to uh, to get us to maybe our previous heights. But, uh, yeah, I don't know how much you know about uh, Nofsinger, but, uh, yeah, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, uh, just that, you know, fans who knew of, like, you know, a lot of fans will have known of her if you were, you know, around with, like, fan engagement type activities with the team back in that time. Um, so, like, a lot of those people who were around, like, supporters groups and things, uh, this is a person you probably know. And you have good, warm, fuzzy feelings about. So you're happy to see her return. Um, so, you know, that's a positive. Another positive about this is that this is an indication that Garth Lagerway is continuing to build out the front office so it resembles a real front office. Um, so I'm happy that that's the case because that is something that's been postulated and I tend to agree with that. Uh, we had a very kind of bare bones front office skeleton type ship for a while um because they felt they just kind of could get away with not having one um but it seems like now garth has evaluated that we need one and he's getting one so i'm happy to see that indeed and it's also that it's, it's kind of odd that we went so skeleton when yeah you know uh it seems like arthur blank's checkbook is pretty you know it's pretty deep in terms of the uh the number of checks he can write out so it just seems kind of odd that we went that route, but, you know, kind of, you know, the, the gang can't stay together forever, but, you know, it's definitely great to see Nofsinger back because, yeah, I think the uh, the engagement uh, has waned in the past few years, and to get her back, I think it will really, I think, uh, kind of up that, that quality that we need in the uh, in several departments that uh, have seen a little bit of maybe uh, what is it atrophy, but maybe atrophy. <laughs> so, but anyway, uh, still the Audi MLS Cup playoffs they have started. Uh, currently, uh, New York Red Bulls are beating uh, Charlotte FC. So uh, you know we'll find out ultimately what that scoreline is and. Of course, SKC and San Jose Earthquakes will play as well in the wild card matches. But uh, yeah, we'll get into that playoff preview in a, a second. But for us, our matches uh, against the Columbus Crew are Wednesday, November 1st, 7:30, and that's at Columbus. And then the second game is on November 7th in Atlanta at the Benz at 7 p.m. And game three, if needed, is on November 12th on Sunday at 7 p.m. So, uh, yeah, definitely an odd set of matches. Uh, I would have thought maybe it would be like three or four days apart, but instead, they're weeks apart. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, okay, yeah, it's not exactly a week, but it's there's some considerable time, and I think it has something to do probably with uh, you know, maybe the the football season a little bit, a little bit with uh, you know maybe other events that are going on in these 
uh, you know, these playoff cities. So, you know, it's going to have to be these strange days that, uh, that we play on. But, um, yeah, any thoughts on the actual dates of our, uh, our playoff games? I prefer them to be on weekends. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so you know or at least a wednesday so you know it is what it is right yeah the, the tuesday one is really killer but it is what it is yeah i i planned on making a trip uh to see my uh my new nephew but you know Atlanta united <laughs> we're here and uh you know if anybody at the club is listening this is the sacrifice, guys. <laughs> That's something like I, else. I wanted, right? I wanted to meet my new nephew. And you guys, uh, MLS scheduled a match on a Tuesday. But <laughs> anyway, so uh, yeah, that does it for the news. And it gets us to our playoff preview. And joining us are our Patreons, Drew and Gavin. And uh, yeah, you guys can... Uh, maybe join in on one of these in the future if you guys join our Patreons but yes uh, we'll get into this and kind of look at what's going on around the the first round and make our predictions a little bit but uh, yeah we'll also talk about game one but uh, yeah Drew and Gavin go ahead and join us and we'll talk about this first round which uh will be very 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 spicy because columbus crew is probably the toughest matchup that we probably could have ever gotten I welcome mean, welcome guys you know, yes drew gavin how are you guys doing doing well doing very Not well too bad. Glad to be here with you guys this is the first episode of y'all really cool yep glad yeah, to have really you guys cool. hell yeah we're very stoked that you guys are doing it yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, Columbus Crew. You know, uh, we'll we'll talk about them in a second. I think let's let's go into our like our bracket here. Uh, we we have a little Discord competition going on for the you know the whole entire playoffs. But in terms of that first round, we'll kind of talk through a little bit what maybe our our picks are a little bit. And uh, in terms of that, obviously. Your Rebels are somewhat pretty much winning. Uh, we would surmise that they probably will get through. Uh, uh, 5-2 two final. Check. They, they did 5-2. Five, 5-2 five two. Two final. Wow. Okay, so, yeah, what a what a goal fest. Yep. Ridiculous. But, so obviously, your Rebels will play Cincy. Uh, let's go on the, the west end of the bracket first, though. Uh, so, SKC, San Jose, who do you guys think will make it out of that? And, Michael, you can go as well after them. Uh, which one are you guys going to go uh, first, Gavin or Drew? I'll I'll go. Yeah. Um, uh, this one I have no idea, honestly. Um, <laughs> this is probably the biggest toss-up game. Uh, I went with SKC. I just feel like they have a slight bit better quality, but I could see it, honestly, going. To PKs, they're very even teams, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I got uh, I got Kansas City as well because of the home field advantage. 
Uh, Kansas City, they, they started the season off very poorly. They had, like, no wins until they went into Seattle and bagged three points. Uh, they did terrible, and I think it's one of those stories where you start off very horribly, then you do very well. I think it begins with this game right here. I don't think it's going to be a blowout. I think it's going to be close because San Jose is a good team. I mean, you see where they came from. They, Me, personally, I think they're probably, like, one of the smallest clubs in MLS, but... Overall, this season, they've improved a lot. I mean, they got Matthew Hoppy now. Uh, Christian Espinosa is really good. They also got Carlos Rezo. I mean, all these players, very solid signings, made their team astronomically better. And overall, this season, they've just been really impressive. And we'll just see them in the playoffs once again, because I think the last time, I, don't, I can't remember if it was last season or not, but, you know, history of Chris Wondolowski. These two teams played in the playoffs before. It was like, I don't know, uh, it was Bustio uh, who got a stoppage time goal, then Wondolowski tied it to send it to extra time, or PKs, but SKC won that one previously, because that's the last time they met in the playoffs at the same venue as well. And then we're seeing that again, but it's different, and I think SKC is going to pull this one and move on to play St. Louis. Yeah, they are very hot right now. Alan Pulido is on fire. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's a tough assignment for uh, San Jose Earthquakes, but uh, yeah, Michael, what do you think? I think I got to give it to the MVP, home field advantage, and I think that that's who's going to take it, because I don't see much daylight between yep. these two teams. I think either team can take this game from the other on any given yep. day, because um, they are kind of back and forth, inconsistent, mm-hmm. so I think, uh, yep. yeah, I think I'll side with uh, SKC just because of home field advantage. Okay. Well, uh, yeah, you know, I think in the interest of uh, probably some time, too, like, we won't go through every single... <laughs> I just realized that that might take a while. So let's just uh, let's just call out uh, who we think will win the first round. So uh, in terms of St. Louis City and SKC, who wins? Oh, St. Louis City all day. St. Louis. St. Louis. Home field Louis. advantage once again. Okay. And maybe the expansion team, but they're still... Again, home field advantage. Ends down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think so, too, even though SKC, uh, they might be a sleeper team. I mean, you know, they've been uh, they've been winning at a rate of about uh, two points per match, essentially. And so it's, uh, you know, there's something to contend with, for sure. But, uh, okay, so next matchup is Houston versus RSL. Who wins out of that? Drew. I picked Houston. I know it's especially with um, hot goal scorers right now on uh, what's it on RSL, but um, honestly, I think Houston's gonna take this. They've got the home field. I feel like they've got ju- they can probably get a, uh, better results at home and take take the series. So I'm gonna give it to Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not so yeah. fast, my friend. I, I I have RSL. I have RSL being a team to watch this playoff. Um, I mean, I mean, uh, from the past, you've seen RSL. I I find them as the most irrelevant team in the MLS until you get to the playoffs, and they're a tough team to play against. And I I get Houston is the home has the home field advantage here. You got Hector Herrera and all these other good stars, but. 
I think RSL is one of the teams to watch, and I think they're going to pull it off in this one. In a, I'd say, 2-1 game, probably. Uh, I have RSL going far, but I think RSL is going to take this one. Yeah. And let's not forget, it's a it's three-game series for, uh, yeah, the you know first round. And so, definitely, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's going to be a tough one. But, um, yeah, Michael. Yeah, Herrera and the Open Cup champions, I think, are going to take this one. Even though, I mean, Chicho Arango is good and all. He'll make it interesting, but I think Houston will probably take this one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I, I also think it's the Dynamo, but uh, Gavin, no, I, I like I like being, uh, mm-hmm. I like that you're going against the grain. So, you know, it's a... Uh, I can't wait to dance in y'all's big. graves when y'all see RSL yeah. win. <laughs> in our graves. I love it. I love it. Uh, all right. So LAFC versus Vancouver. Drew. I have LAFC winning. They have better quality top to bottom, honestly. Uh, I It's hard to see them losing this first round. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you never see... I don't think you ever see LAFC being a first round exit other than their uh, first year, which was against RSL. So... Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, you, you don't see LAFC being a first-round exit. I don't think that's going to happen here. But again, Vancouver is a team that has stepped up a lot this season. Uh, Ryan Gold's probably, obviously, they're probably been their best player. Uh, I would I would say Vancouver would win if they had Julian Gressel. But they gave him to Columbus. So, um, I think it's hard to, it's hard to say Vancouver is going to win this first round. Although, they have been really good this season. I feel like if they just fought for a better position, it would be more questionable. But since uh, LAFC is a higher seed, it's two home games, well, if the third one is necessary, it's hard to see LAFC losing these. Mm-hmm. Mike? Yeah, it's it's LAFC. I mean, yeah, they don't have Gareth Bale to come off the bench and win it for them, but I still think that they have more than enough firepower to get the job done. And like you guys alluded to, playing LAFC in their home is a monumental task. So, and I mean, like their record this year alone is 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 pretty impressive. I I think there's yeah. going to take a better team um, than Vancouver or whatever to take them out. Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, Buanga he's on fire, but he they're relying on him a little bit and uh, maybe a little over reliant. So you know, we'll see. See how uh, how that fares. I think the first round, though, I, I agree. Like it's going to be tough goings for Vancouver. Uh, this one probably is the most crapshoot of them all. I would say, uh, yeah, Seattle, Dallas. Who do you have, Drew? I have Seattle, just because they're the home team, and Seattle's home stadium is usually a fortress. So I I see it being very tight games all the way through the series, but Seattle just squeaks through. I agree. I was going to mention, I think this is going to be the most tight one that we're going to see in the first round. I think it's going to be... I, I can see Seattle taking game one. Uh, FC Dallas will take theirs at their home, but when it comes back to the third game, I think it's a very close game, but Seattle's going to take it in penalties. I think this is probably the most tight you'll see it get. But those are two evenly well teams, especially if like they're 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 both really good at home. 
Uh, I like Jesus Pereira. He's phenomenal. Uh, Seattle, uh, Albert Rusnak, Christian Rodon, all these players. I mean, on paper, they're, they're just scary good. And I think it's fairly even. Yeah. But Seattle. Yeah, I, I agree with basically what you guys said. Um, I'll add, though, that, I mean, if memory serves, and you guys look back in the, uh, the MLS history books, Seattle is a zombie team. And this is something that one of our uh, community members were talking about. Um, one of the five takes guys, or girls rather, Jennifer was telling us that, um, yeah, Seattle has a bit of the zombie in them. They kind of just barely, you know, shamble into the playoffs. and then, But once they're there, they make a hot run and they come out of nowhere. This is what Seattle does. They've done it many times. So never put, you know, Seattle out of it, um, even if they don't have a very good. I mean, we had interviews earlier this year with one of the Seattle, uh, you know, super fans on their fan channel, and they were telling us about how Seattle's had a really rough year. They let teams come in and boss them around in their house, and you know, things have got to change. It's very difficult to watch. It's not the same Seattle. Blah blah blah. It's like yeah, but you made it to the playoffs, and once you're there, Seattle seems to just become a different beast. So, I mean, it, I don't know why someone would bet against Seattle early in the playoffs. It just doesn't ever seem to work out. Mm, I will be that guy. So, uh, I think Dallas will win, and uh, I think it's for these reasons. Because, yeah, Dallas has kind of been that team that's... Talk about sleepers. I mean, they played Inter-Miami with Messi on the team really and Alan Velasco as well as, uh, you know, Jesus Ferreira. They're a couple of, like, firecrackers that uh, talk about wild cards. I mean, those, those two players, they can do some things that uh, I'm not sure the, this old and kind of jaded Seattle side can really pull it out. So, uh, yeah, I don't think they do the business, even though... You know, they might have a lot to play for in uh, Nico Lodero's last dance a little bit, but we'll find out. We'll find out. But I think it's Dallas. And, uh, yeah, I, I'll i be the one to go against the great on that one. But, uh, all right. So, on to the East. Cincy versus RBNY. New York Red Bulls. Drew, who do we have? Who do you got? Cincy. They've been so dominant all year. I don't see them getting knocked out in the first round, especially to a Red Bull team that squeaked into the playoffs here. It, it's I see them going very deep this year. So yeah, there's you a little bit of supporter shield curse though. What curse? LAFC won both last year. <laughs> I, I they're don't, the anomaly. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if they win it all. But they definitely have. They're definitely getting out of the first round here. Okay. Yes, Kevin. Yeah, I think this is a no-brainer. After the season, I have not thought about the curse until now. But I, I know we saw LFC do whatever they did last season. That happens, but that doesn't mean the curse is just going to stop. But I still think it's a no-brainer. I don't see FC Cincy, no matter what curse there is i still think since he's gonna take this one 
I mean, if it was Charlotte to take this one, take one against the Red Bulls, I think it'd be more of a no-brainer. But I think it's a little like more interesting that the Red Bulls advance, and I think they'll make it just a little more interesting, more than Charlotte would. But I still think he's gonna always find a way to win the game, win the well, win the whatever happens since he's still gonna advance with the series. Yeah. Uh, Michael. Uh, yeah, I mean, like Charlotte really, honestly, didn't belong in the playoffs this year, so they got rightfully kicked out uh, by a not great Red Bull team. So, I mean, it is what it is. A Red Bull is just a team that can randomly hurt you, just you know, because of their style and the way they play. They can surprise you and they can sneak out wins once in a while. But on average, they they aren't that good. Um, and that's been shown in their lack of MLS Cup victories. And uh, long, you know, they can do okay in the playoffs. But a lot of, I think this was their, this will be their, if they lost this game, it would have been like their fifth back-to-back playoff loss. Which basically indicates they've lost first round for the last like four years. Um, and that's obviously not good. So, yeah, I don't really think Red Bull ever is considered to be a contender deep into the playoffs. Um, at least they're enough to beat, you know, Charlotte, Cincinnati, though. I mean, that's, this isn't, this was almost a historically good team. Um, they were close to breaking, like, the uh, the points record. They're, they're something crazy. Um, I don't think any team has really been able to just straight dominate them this this year like in a in a way that is sustainable and repeatable i just don't i don't think that's happened i think teams are still kind of scratching their heads on what to do about facing a cincinnati so that's something i don't think the red bulls are going to be able to figure out anytime soon um i mean it's possible they could just like sneak a win in their series because they do that sometimes but i don't think that they're going to take this series and i also want cincinnati to go a little bit further and then to have a heartbreaking loss. That's what I'd really like to see. And if it's a, Hey, if it's a hell is real conference final, and that's the second best thing. If Atlanta is not there. Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, yeah. Likewise with me. I mean, FC Cincy, it's just like, yeah, New York Red Bulls. (sighs) There is a possibility. Like we're all saying that they have, Kind of that style to be the antithesis to FC Cincy, but I think, yeah, in a three-game series, it's just too tough. If it was just a one-game series, yes, could see a surprise, but yeah, I don't think uh, it's going to be happening in this first round. But uh, I think this one probably is probably the easiest one to pick, uh, besides that uh, last one. Philadelphia and New England Revolution. Drew, who do you think? Philadelphia takes it. Uh... New, uh, New England's been spiraling ever since Arena got fired. Uh, yeah. I don't see them recovering anytime soon here. Um, so I think it's a sweep for Philly. Yeah, yeah I agree. Uh, like you said, ever since the departure of Ruth Arena, the New England's been down spiraling. I think they're going to get out. The the talent is still there, but it's not going to be up to, be enough to beat Philly. I don't think. I think Philly's still going to take this one. 
Yeah, I think like, it's going to be a Philly sweep, too. I, I, I can't see New England. I mean, it's possible Carlos Hill could pull out some magic, and I'm sure he will. Uh, I just don't think it's enough to to stop a torrent of goals coming at you from Philadelphia if, if Philadelphia plays the way that they typically do. Um, so we'll see. Yeah. Yeah, and Philly, they've found some other ways to play as well. They've gone away from always playing the diamond. So there is that that kind of factor of the unknown, especially in a three-game series. Uh, it's just going to be really tough. if uh, Even if, yeah, New England can nick one, well, then they're just going to switch it up. And then, you know, uh, you'll have to figure out a way to beat this uh, really, really tough Philly side, which, yeah, that's, that's what the really true matchup will be is Cincy versus Philly like that Ooh. but uh, we'll skip over ours of course and go to Orlando versus Nashville a couple of our rivals so to speak uh, probably one more than the other depending on who you ask but Drew who do you think goes through I have Nashville Nashville mm. is a sneaky good cup team Yep. Uh, Mukhtar just needs a little bit of time to start getting hot and he could absolutely take over this series and I think he will, honestly. So, I have Nashville taking it. Yeah, um, it's like uh, picking the, the e like, which evil brother do you, uh... So, Gavin. Uh... I think Nashville already had their opportunity in League's Cup. I don't think so. I, I think Orlando's going to win this one because, I mean, they've just been good this season. They, I think this is, like, going to be one of their best seasons in a while. Because at first, they're a team that is not known for being so dominant and even making to the, the playoffs. I think they had a, a glimpse of that in 2020, but they got knocked out by uh, the Reds. I think this season we could see better of them unfortunately my heart my heart says Nashville's gonna win but my brain says Orlando's gonna win because I think they'll take game one and you know how Orlando's been on the road this season they're gonna take game two as well I think I think Orlando's gonna win it uh, Mike what you got I have Nashville going forward um, a because I really want that to be the case and B, because I think, you know, part of what Drew said is true. Nashville is built to do well in tournaments. They're very good. They're the stin they might be the stingiest, if not like in the top two, stingiest teams in the MLS. They don't let people score on them. Unless that's that one game where they played Atlanta and they let four get hung on them. But that's an anomaly. That's an outlier. Outside of that, they've been very stingy. Um, I don't think Orlando is going to be able to get a goal against them um, at, at Nashville's home. I think they might be able to draw in Orlando's home. Um, going back to Orlando for the third game, if it goes to that, I think Nashville will be able to just just put in an incredible tour de force when it comes to defense to stop Orlando. I, just, I think it, the question is, is Orlando's offense good enough? Is there Do they have a top elite offense to be a top elite defense? 
because I don't think like I mean, granted, Nashville's offense is pretty good too, but I don't think it's like far and away better than Orlando's. I think they're fairly similar. Mukhtar is better than individually than any of their players, I think, but Orlando's chemistry up top has been pretty good. So I think they're fairly even on offense. I think Nashville's defense is the thing that separates them. It's just it's just that good. Yeah, it's really great points all around, and it's uh, I think it comes down to that too. Is that defense is going to be really really tough to break down, especially they're shameless. Like they there's that type of team that like they don't have to uh, try to attack. Like they don't have to have the ball. They don't care, and they just need a moment of magic. And Mukhtar to Jordan Zimmerman, I mean, you know, you just need one header and uh, put it in the back of the net. They'll they'll probably sneak through with a couple of, like, 1-0 wins or, you know, maybe a penalty shootout win. I mean, who knows? But, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's Nashville for me as well. But, yeah, it, it is that. It's, man, like, I really don't want to see Orlando either. Like, uh get past there as they're just the perennial bottlers you know it's like yeah you got your u.s open cup win uh, i think it's a bit of an anomaly as well but uh yeah i just i just hope for you know kind of our sake as well that we uh we don't see them succeed and get through but uh all right well let's get into our preview then and of course our match is on wednesday november 1st and, yeah, Columbus Crew, uh, like I said earlier, is the toughest assignment that we possibly could have gotten uh, because, yeah, it was either Philly, it was either uh, Orlando. Uh, I think we played both of them pretty tough, but Columbus Crew, they've had our number. I mean, yes, we uh, we drew with them at home, but, uh, yeah, you know, that earlier match of the season with Almada, that was a 6-1 loss. That... Uh... <laughs> That still rings really, really true in my head, and um, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a it's a deja vu, unfortunately, because we will not have Thiago Amado, of course, and uh, yeah, it brings so many questions of what this lineup will look like, how we will play, uh, just yeah, so many questions. But uh, Columbus, with you know, of course, Cucho Hernandez, with of course, Darlington Nagby who, of course, won an MLS Cup, not only with us, but with the Columbus crew. And there's a good, good bit of continuity in this crew side still. Uh, yeah, a good number of the star-star uh, players have uh, you know, either been moved on or whichever. But, uh, you know, Wilfred Nancy, he definitely has them playing really, really good ball. Bastas at the bends, of course, as well. Having mentioned Julian Gressel, Diego Rossi, I mean, it's just, this team is so deep, and this is the team that you don't want to face in the playoffs. Like, I've said this, and it's, uh, I think a lot of people probably have them going very far, if not winning it. And, uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's going to be really tough goings for us with uh, this uh, this first match. So, uh, yeah, in terms of uh, unav unavailable players uh, for us, uh, Chol, of course, is out. Uh, Wolf is probably out, and Ozzy Alonso, he is kind of in and around the squad. I don't know if he's going to make the uh, the playoff roster, uh, having not really played very much recently. But, uh, you know, in that, that gets us to 
what we think uh, in terms of how the team will line up, up or through the the obvious one, Guzan, of course. We don't even need to talk about that. But unless somebody has a spicy take. <laughs> Nope. No, cool. no right. Diop nope. or Westberg We're... stands or anything like that. I would love yeah. to see them, but I, that's not happening. I like yeah. I like Diop, but I'm not gonna yes. start him. It's not ideal. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but in terms of that, uh, you know, that back line, Drew, what do you think? Is it gonna be four man back line, three man back line? Who do you have from right back to left back, or? Right I back. have back three uh, just because midway through the season we were playing this formation a lot that uh, three four two one basically and I think it works for us with the players we have I actually was going through it in my head today and was like this actually works pretty well but uh, back line of Hernandez, Miles, and Abram as your three center backs. Just because Hernandez gives you a little bit more mobility and speed compared to Parada. So I feel like that'll be a little bit e better. Then your wing backs are Lennon and Wiley uh, with Rossetto and Miyamba in the center. And then your two behind Jakob Marcus is going to be uh, Saba and Silva and I think that works because those three have already done it a little bit toward the end of the year is they've interchanged their positions pretty well so I think that works that formation works pretty well with those three up top the only issue I see with that formation is how do we get the ball from midfield to forwards that's the biggest question to me Indeed, indeed. I mean, as well, I mean, uh, it's like that three-man back line, yeah, you have the height-ish. Uh, you know, I, I could see how that can play because, yeah, Hernandez does have that playmaking ability. Maybe he can step in, uh, you know, into maybe kind of the right-back position easily in, in that sense. Lennon can kind of free roam a little bit or, yes. you know, that could be interesting. Or maybe Saba moves, you know, a little bit more into the interior. Or if it's Silva and Saba, they interchange. So, yeah, definitely very, very interesting indeed, that uh, that lineup. I like it, I like it. Gavin, what do you think? Uh, likewise, he couldn't have said any better. Uh, I think it's just going to be interesting only because we don't have Almada. And I know we didn't have Almada last time he we went to Columbus. So I think... Uh, it's going to be a challenge, obviously, especially playing in Columbus. But, yeah, you got, um, yeah, I, it's the exact same thing he said, really. I mean, Guzan, goalkeeper. Abram, uh, Robinson, Wiley, Hernandez. I got a back three as well. Uh, I got Rosetsu, Uyomba in the midfield. And, yeah, I got, you know, Saba, Silva, Yakamaga, Slipchop. I think the key for, uh, we... Yakimakis can't get a yellow, or else you don't have that outlet. That's, and that's the thing. You can't get a yellow, or else it's, you're in trouble. Even with Almada, too, because it's going to be more tough. But same thing he said, really. He, he said the exact same lineup. Back three, all that. Good. Okay, okay. 
So two back threes. Mike, is it three back threes? Um, I think so. I think I'm going to go with that too. I, I was debating a four-man back line with right back and left back, you know, pushing Lennon and Wiley back a little bit instead of wing backs. But I feel that a full defensive line like, you know, you know, not full bunker, I guess, but like, I don't know, maybe, maybe some people want to do that. Maybe they think bunker down, you know, weather the storm when we're away and then try and hurt them when we're at home, um, you know, for the first game. But I think that's a mistake. I think with what the, the 3 4 2 one kind of gives you is a little bit more of an ability to clog the midfield um, and just settle into a mid block, not a low block, but a mid block. Then allow, you know, invite some pressure from Columbus. Try and hit him on counters. The problem with like how Drew um, indicated a little bit earlier about where does the link-up play come from? Well, it's going to have to come from the flanks. It's going to because Columbus also loves to play in the midfield. And if we set up a low block in the midfield, it's just going to be calamity. The ball when it gets out, it's going to go to the to the to the wings. Then that's where the wingbacks come in, and that's where that link-up works with our wingers. Um, unfortunately, that's not the best recipe because then that relies almost exclusively on us desperately crossing in and hoping something gets on Yorgos's body parts. So, I and that's never something I want to, you know, resign myself to being. This is our strategy, and this is the only hope we have. But it, I think that that away is probably the best way to try and get a result, not just a draw, but perhaps a win. Because like I said, Columbus will try and play down the middle like they did against us before. They were very good at it. They were very good at it. Very good possession build up from them. Um, I mean, they can go either way. They will adapt. They will start going down the wing when they realize that we're really just mucking up the middle, making sure nothing can get by there. Um, and once they start pulling us out wide, they'll come back in again. Hopefully, we'll have the discipline, the foresight, you know, the, the the field marshaling from Brad to be able to recognize when these things are happening and close down on it effectively. We have not been able to do that consistently, and it's really screwed us up many games. So, I, yeah, I don't. I mean, Columbus is a really good team. I have them winning the entire thing. So. Honestly, I don't think we're getting by Columbus. I don't think any betting man would say we're getting by Columbus. But as fans, with are you getting ahead of ourselves? Team, uh, this is just game one. <laughs> this is just game one, Michael. It's just game one. But I think Columbus has what it takes to win the whole thing. So that that's where I'm coming from when I'm trying to set up against them, trying to figure out how to play against them. Like this is a this is this could be a championship right. pedigree team. I think it's. If someone is not, I mean, a lot, a lot of people are talking about how there's a dark horse in the tournament and it's Columbus because a lot of people are talking about them. A lot of people are talking about LAFC. They talk about Philadelphia or Cincinnati. They talk about, you know, um, I mean, some people talk about Seattle, but like we talked about earlier, not so much. Um, but I mean, Columbus can just come out of nowhere. And if there's a hell is real conference final, that would be something to watch. Yeah, and then did. Uh, yeah, so I see pretty much what you guys are doing. I I have this. So it's a four-man back line for me, but it's a little bit different. 
so I've got Hernandez, I've got Miles Robinson, Abram, and Wiley. But like uh, Michael was saying in terms of clogging up that middle, I think we have to go kind of a little bit more mid-block and really, really condense that space and really make it really difficult for them to play through. Uh, and then for us to be able to hit them on the counter, I think that's probably our best bet. Uh, in terms of playing the possession game against them, probably ill-advised, uh, especially on the road without Almada. So we should probably look to frustrate, look to force them to the wings, and also kind of double up, or at least make sure that Julian Gressel does not have the ability to play a ball early. Um, but in terms of that, that midfield, uh, so I've got Hosetu, Muyamba, uh, but in terms of that, uh, I guess, attacking midfielder, uh, those three, it's a little bit different. So Lennon, Saba, and Shonda Silva. Uh, so Saba kind of is that kind of free roaming a little bit. Maybe, like I said earlier with uh, Drew's lineup, Maybe they interchange a bit, but there's some fluidity. And basically, Lennon can drop back if we need to. Uh, if we need to uh, really weather some storms, if it's getting really dire. Uh, it's probably going to rain in Columbus, because it always does. It's probably going to rain. Uh, yeah, it's that, that type of uh, season as well. But uh, yeah, and it's, uh, of course, Yakumaki's up top uh, if he's healthy and if he can play. So... Yeah, I mean, it's... Is it the winning recipe? I have no idea. <laughs> because, uh, yeah, this Columbus Crew team uh, on the road for us, yeah, it's anything goes pretty much. And uh, we've seen that they can tear us up even without all of the new players that they brought in. And yes, we brought in new players as well. Yeah, it's still, it looked kind of dire uh, at home for us. So it's, uh, you know, and that was with our first choice 11 with Almada. So it's going to be tough. We have come to the score prediction section of it now. So Drew, what do you think is going to happen? I have a squeaking out a 3-2 win. Uh, it's going to be Ooh. a tight game but i do think it's going to be a very much we have to sit back on the, and a mid block and hit them on the counter that's why i in in that formation i was thinking more lennon as a free roaming guy that can get into the center of the park and jump up into the play i think that has enough variability that can kind of confuse defense uh confuse back lines i think we can surprise them in some sorts especially with almada out they they know we're gonna have to play a different sort of way so they don't know what to expect from us so i think this could be a chance for us to jump on them i think we just squeeze out a late win I yeah. Okay. okay. I like it, Gavin. I, I yeah, I, I do like what he says. Um, I feel like we're we're easier to predict with Almada, and we're not easy to predict without because who knows what we're gonna do without him. But 
obviously we didn't see what we did without him last time, but you know, everyone was gone there. You see now this time we have, you know, Silva, Lochinita, Uyomba, you got these new additions. Uh, I mean, again, you've, you just, you just played them, but that without Almada, uh, it's not easy predict to predict, but again, I mean, Columbus, they're a very good team. Uh, I have them taking game one in like a 2-1 match. I think Atlanta's going to like, we're going to invite them to attack, but we're more just defensive for like the first 80 minutes. It's going to be a nil-nil match, but then they finally get their breakthrough. However, I think uh, in stoppage time, we equalize the sentence, uh, uh, or no, does it go to extra time or goes straight to penalties? Straight to penalties. Okay, crap. Because if it was to straight extra time, I think they'd be pulling it there. But I'm going to stick to my prediction. I think we'll take it late and stop its time. And uh, I think Clem's going to pull away on penalties because, you know, from the past, uh, I don't believe we've ever won on penalties before. <laughs> so we have not, I think that would <laughs> unfortunately. I think that would, unfortunately, I think that would continue there because I think Columbus, it, I think we're just going to invite them to attack and eventually they're going to get their goal. But we'll surprise them at the end, take them to penalties. Uh, best we probably done was against Cruz Azul. That's the closest we went. We were up 2-0 and didn't go well, but I think I'm just going to take it. I don't I don't see us winning this one, especially without Amada. But if Yako gets a yellow card, boy, are we in a heap of deep trouble. Mike? I think we're going to lose 3-1. to one. Um, it, it pains me to say this, but I, I think that it would normally, having had Tiago and us playing at our best, we probably still lose three to two. <laughs> I think we're going to probably miss a goal from Tiago or at least like an assist that he puts up. I think Tiago is probably going to score one um, just because he's going to find a way. He's going to will it. Um, I would love if someone else stepped up and did it. One of the other guys, um, it's possible. But I think because of how good Columbus is and how in that we're playing in their house now, I think it's going to be a really, really tough ask to do that. Um, I was a little curious because like AJ, you were saying, perhaps changing the formation slash where certain players are on, on our team. Um, there's like two things about that that I thought was funny that I heard other people say. One, like, you know, Gonzo's kind of hinted that he doesn't like to change things. As much as he can keep consistency, he will. So it's hard to imagine he's going to change that much up, you know, aside from what he has to. Um, in addition to that, I remember Jason Longshore responding to me on Twitter one time saying, well, it's not super strange for a team to like not have a plan B. It's pretty normal for teams to just have one way and that's all they do and that's all they know like players aren't going to be able to think about two or three different play styles and formations and stuff especially while they're playing when they're switching up so it's very common everyone just does one and that's about it because i remember my question was why the heck don't we have a defensive posture when we're playing away because our away record is so damn bad and that was his answer so i mean with those two things in mind it's hard for me to imagine we're going to drastically switch up anything. But something Drew said reminded me of something or triggered something in that what if we did something that just because we are a little more unpredictable without Tiago, 
What if we just threw in like, I don't know, start mascara over Saba and see how that works. Maybe that throws off what calibration Columbus had on us, how they clocked us in the first game and how they clock us now. It could throw them off a bit. I mean, it, you know, it didn't work what we were doing against them the first time. And that was at home. It would be, you know, as they say, like, you know, you do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Like it's the definition of insanity. So I don't know if just going headlong, same as we always do right into this game again and trying that. But also we did so well against Cincinnati when we have good results, Gonzo tends to solidify what got that result. And he'll be like, okay, this did well. Let's do that again. I, yeah, so I just, it's, I don't know. It's going to be, I think we're going to lose, but I, I just wish there was something more we could do, like a little more tactics wise. But those things I just said make me think, of course it's not going to be that. <laughs> hmm. Well, yeah, to refute, I think what you're saying about Longshore and, uh, you know, what uh, basically he was saying, uh, I mean, I think we did, we did change. We changed right. during the summer. You know, we uh, we played with the three-man back line, with wing backs. We also, you know, with uh, within matches sometimes we use Lennon in, as more of an inverted fullback mm -hmm. at times. Uh, allowed the wingers to stay wide. I think we have been, I think, learning from the sins a bit from the season, and in that, I think, you know. Essentially, there's one player that is essentially moving positions. Yeah. Saba, right? And so, you know, uh, it's pretty much a very similar lineup to last match, except that Lennon is playing. Yeah, you know? I mean, I agree so, with you. I think Jason's a little off on that. And I think the reason he said that is because at the time, mm -hmm. we didn't have the personnel to really play any other way. Now we do. I think right. Saba, like you're hinting at, I think he's the kind of player who can make a change on the fly or can say, you know, coach comes up to him right before a game and goes, hey, by the way, we're going to have you do this instead of that next time. Um, and I think he's the kind of player who can do that. Whereas in the past, you know, younger, less experienced players, not as good personnel, I think they're like, I got my one strategy, my one thing, and that's what I'm going to do. Right. And it makes complete sense because, you know, the younger players, they don't have the wherewithal to maybe take in all that information and be able to implement it uh, at game speed. And that's, you know, sometimes the, the difference. And, uh, yeah, you, you need to be able to read the defense and what they give you uh, very quickly and be able to, yeah, you know, like set up either your defense, uh, either uh, be able to play through them if, uh, you know, it's if you're an attacker. And so it's, uh, I think, you know, with... With Mosquera, I don't know if he's got, you know, the uh, the fortitude to be able to adjust as much as maybe, you know, Saba Lapsenitze. Though, you know, I I don't see maybe uh, entrusting uh, a playoff game, uh, you know, a starting position to someone that's, uh, you know, young like him. And so, because uh, I, man, I had the, the thought of maybe, okay, what if we play fortune in midfield but it's just the inexperience like to clog it up and it, it you know we, we don't really have 
very many uh, you know midfielders uh, that can I think kind of do what he does a little bit later on in the match. Like uh, Sadich is not exactly you know as physical as Fortune either. Like we we've been utilizing Fortune uh, later on in matches to kind of close out matches and. Uh, you know that energy, that yeah. steel that he has. His his powers are better applied when he's going at tired. Like maybe these players are better than him on paper, but mm. when they're pretty tired, he can level the playing field a bit with his physicality. So yeah, I think it's smart to use him in the way he has been used. Exactly, especially without Ozzy Alonso. But hey, you know you never know. Weird things have happened, and uh, that that playoff experience. I mean, he's a guy that definitely can shore some things up as well so yeah no it's definitely gonna be very very interesting what happens for me it's also a 3-2 loss it's uh it's just really tough to see how we can uh get past them you know at uh you know in chicago or not chicago at ohio this is like a really tough sentence for me to say for some reason i'm just that pained that <laughs> This is a loss, and uh, uh, but it's just it is what it is, and uh, you know it's gonna be. I think that for me, uh, heart and mind, like uh, Gavin said earlier, they want different things, but yeah, you know the sensible part of my mind says that uh, yeah, Columbus are just too tough. Who tough scores the two team. Atlanta goals besides you, or who scores the other one besides Yorgos's, or does Yorgos score both? Besides to you? Yorgos. Yeah, no, I think uh, Shauna Silva or Saba uh, can get on the scoreboard. If not both, both of them, I mean, who knows? You never know. But, um, you know, maybe it's not Yakumaki's. But, you know, I think uh, our, our attack is fine, probably. Uh, it's just how many will we let in? That's Who's the taking the free kicks? This. Uh, I think it's probably going to be Silva or Saba. Lennon maybe. Lennon always takes the uh, the free uh, in terms of the corners if Almada doesn't take it. But I think yeah, you'll you'll probably see a little bit more um, kind of by committee probably. But uh, yeah, probably Lennon. Uh, you, you guys are right. And uh, so yeah, what do you guys think? Let us know in the comments below. We haven't gotten to the chat yet. What have you guys been saying? Let's find out. All right, so five takes. Our good friend Glenn says, I uh, agree with AJ. A few days removed from the match. Um, we held our own against the best and didn't get scored on with only 10 men. The red to Almada just tainted the whole thing for me. Sniper three, R19 says, Joseph will probably be a one to two year high non-DP deal to LA Galaxy until San Diego enters the league where he will finish after two years. Uh, it's interesting. Uh <laughs> Um, let's ingest 101 says, pretty why did we have, ball. sorry, that's a pretty good crystal ball. Actually. Yeah. yeah. That's pretty accurate. I mean, not accurate. I mean, it's, it's, it's detailed. Yeah. 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 Uh, it seems like it could happen. Like warm yeah. weather. He likes, you know, the kind of flashy city. So yeah. Do they have a big Venezuelan population? I know Miami does. Uh, I don't think in LA. No, not really. <laughs> I mean, big Mexican population. Course, yes. yeah. In just 101 says, why did, why did we have to pull Columbus? The only team that I fear. I said the exact same thing. Christopher uh, Corbello says, hey, Drew. Connor Watson says, hello. Phantom Equestrian says, hi, Drew Bear. <laughs> Christopher Corbello says, huh? Drew Boo. 
So I got some Drew fans up in here. Blue Agassiz says, Drew with okay. a lot of W's. And I love you. Oh. And Christopher donated $4.99. I appreciate it, buddy. Thank you very much. Whatever team Drew picks, I'm going with, he says. All right. Well, he will pick right. Atlanta United until he dies. <laughs> uh, well, last cheers two. to you. You're a legend. Yes. Uh, last two um, commenters. Phantom Equestrian also says, Christopher is a real ride or die. Andrew Watkins says, uh, got score updates for tonight. Wildcard game, New York, Red Bulls 5, Charlotte 2. Um, final score, FC Cincy versus New York, Red Bulls. Um, the wild, oh, yeah, he did not mean to say that. Um, da, 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 da. Yeah, all right, so those are the last two comments. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks, everyone, for commenting. Thank you, Christopher, for your wonderful donation we appreciate it everything that we get goes right back into the channel and helps us improve things so we very much appreciate it yes cheers to you cheers to you well yeah that pretty much is the episode except for the question of the day and the question of the day is since we have several chances to get in some penalty shootouts will Atlanta united ever win a penalty shootout let us know in the comments below and will it be this <laughs> playoff yeah <laughs> i mean but uh yeah yeah as long <laughs> as the, the club does not dissolve in the next like 20 years i'm sure they'll win at least one <laughs> shoot out yes. eventually yeah obviously a tongue-in-cheek question but uh no definitely uh i'm curious what you guys think because uh yeah will it be this playoff round uh i mean we have chances so let's do it if we get in one and don't let parata take one jesus christ <laughs> Or Miguel, or Miguel Barry. <laughs> oh, or Miguel God. Barry. But, <laughs> but anyway. Alright, guys. Well, uh, that is the episode there and there for Drew, for Gavin, for Michael. I've been AJ. Thank you so much for watching, and we will see you in the next video. See you, everybody. Have a good night.